0: Com. Welcome to another Sunday Conversation. I'm Josh Garasso. Today we caught up with Jim Meaney. He founded the Geneva Believer a few years ago, and his reporting has really served as a catalyst to engage local residents on several important issues. Uh, during our chat, we talked about the recent headlines, including the future of a behavioral health clinic serving Geneva residents, uh, neighborhood and anti-poverty initiatives in the city, and of course, policing and their efforts to restore trust in the community as a whole. It's a conversation you won't want to miss, but before we jump into it, I want to remind everybody that this podcast is now available on all major podcasting platforms. That means you can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and many, many Others, of course, we wouldn't be here without you. So, listeners, thank you very much, and thanks for making this show a part of your week. And enjoy our chat with Jim Meaney. So, Jim, welcome, uh, welcome back to the program. Uh, I think it's been a little while. It's been a few months since the last time you were here. A whole lot has has happened in Geneva. You guys, uh, with the Geneva Believer Blog, have done an incredible job uh, documenting all the things that are going on and really covering it in a way that I think is. Uh, and we've talked about it before, largely missing from the media landscape now. Uh, Welcome back.
1: Thanks, thanks. I'm glad to be back.
0: So uh, obviously maybe the most polarizing or uh, biggest issue that's popped up in the last three or four weeks, uh, Finger Lakes Health, and and maybe not a story that specifically was born in Geneva, but definitely one that that hurts Geneva and hurts the communities around it. Mm -hmm. Um, Finger Lakes Health uh, first announced that they were going to, uh, seek the state's approval to shut down a behavioral health unit in Penn Yan. That came uh, in late 2018. Uh, and then a few weeks went by very quietly, no big noise or anything. Then we find out over the course of one weekend that not only is it going to be discontinuing service, but that it isn't isn't—it isn't really a, a closure. Um, there was an employee response to it, obviously mixed in, in the middle of that as well. Um, first, before we start diving into the specifics, your reaction to just uh, covering this story and seeing the way this thing not only blew up in the media but also blew up on social media.
1: Uh, yeah, it was. Um, it it kind of it kind of came out of nowhere for a lot of people. Um, however, being you know in the uh, in the type of journalism that I do, I had heard some noises coming from employees because employees were being told um, sometime in the fall. I think in October they were told. Uh, we might be closing. Then there was another meeting where they told them we're not going to be closing. Um, so I kind of had been hearing some rumblings that it was going to happen. Um, but the uh, the initial announcement from Finger Lakes Health uh, was a surprise to a lot of people. But it was also, um, it, it happened just a few days before Christmas, uh, which I think, uh, whether it was intentional by Finger Lakes Health or not, it, it kind of it kind of was it, it, the the news would sort of fly under the radar for a lot of people, um, and then uh, and then I was contacted by uh, by multiple uh, employees of the uh, of the of the unit, um, and it's a uh, it's something that a lot of people across the political spectrum feel very strongly about and are are very concerned about. Uh, it's it it hasn't an, and the reason I did decide to write about it not only because Finger Lakes Health headquarters is in Geneva um, but also uh, anyone who comes to Geneva General Hospital for for any kind of uh, in a mental health crisis would be uh, sent to Penyan um, so it's uh yeah it, it it seemed to come out of nowhere but it's it's also you know it's it's Kind of snowballed very rapidly, and and a lot of uh, a lot of things have been and changing very quickly in the story.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, part of the part I think part of the controversy around this whole thing is is not only that the the awareness of, of mental health uh, issues and the lack of uh, services in the Finger Lakes that obviously has been part of the driver, but also um, the this sort of crisscrossing of messages that have been coming from Finger Lakes Health. Um, first, it's seeking permission to close, and then it's abrupt discontinuance of, of services, but then at the same time, no, don't worry, this isn't a closure, um, and then I guess that the piggybacking on top of that, that they aren't seeking to fill certain positions that would suggest that they are going to continue service, and that it isn't a permanent decision. So, it, it, like, taking all of that into account, I mean, this is this is probably one of the more unique uh, stories that we've seen play out locally in the health landscape, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and they've uh, and the way Finger Lakes Health has handled it has been a little perplexing. Um, it, it I, I think the the theme and what seems to be what seems to be uh, what seems to be showing itself is that they had no intention of. I don't think they had any intention of waiting for the state or or any of that. I think they made a financial decision their board made the financial decision in November um, and then they kinda thought they could go through the motions and and you know make the announcement um, and also it's it's you know, if they had no intention of of closing it uh, you make an announcement saying we're closing the unit and an, at the same time you're trying to find uh, staff to work there and, and and you're trying to find a, a psychiatrist to run the unit while you're announcing that you're going to close it—that's going to—that's going to discourage anyone who, you know, uh, who a psychiatrist who's looking um, who's looking to 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 maybe move or maybe relocate or maybe take over. So it's, um, yeah, it's the 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 conflicting information that's coming out uh, from Finger Lakes Health is, has been really distressing and I, and and upsetting to a lot of people.
0: Is it a little bit surprising um, on the regulatory side that that something like this could actually happen, that after essentially turning in an application to the state to request to cease offering certain services, that you could just spontaneously discontinue them for any reason at all without having to show... I w- it Just personally, it seems like you would have to show some sort of hardship along the way in order to just abruptly... Uh, discontinue services like that. And I know there's been a lot of discussion about uh, reimbursement from the state, not making it economically feasible. And, and I guess mm-hmm. uh, to some degree, you have to you pay a little bit of credence to the, the financial side because it's a business. But at the same time, as far as the regulation goes, uh, is this one of those red flags where maybe uh, the reps at the state level need to sort of look at the policies and procedures that uh, allow this type of situation to play out?
1: Uh, yeah, I would imagine so. I, I, as far as I know, I mean, from what I understand from talking uh, to some of the uh, employees and to going to the community, one of the community meetings down in Penyan is after um, after the Geneva Believer story came out and after some of the uh, uh, employees, uh, Brittany Christensen, wrote a couple of op-eds and letters to the editor, once that started coming out, um, uh, representatives from the state started coming down to Penyan um, coming down to the unit and and just looking around and seeing what was going on and according to the employees um, the the number of patients started to go up they they had they were filling six to eight beds over the past uh, over the past few weeks once it went public and once people started contacting the office of mental health um, so for the for finger Lakes health to I mean I, I I imagine that they can just say we don't have the staff, therefore we have to close. I don't know what the what the consequence would be for that. I, I'm I'm not familiar enough with how, all the ins and outs of how the state works. Of course, uh, is it, is it just a fun? Do they have to pay a fine? Like I don't. I I'm mm-hmm. I'm a little uh, curious to know how how they're able to do that as well because it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense if you're if you're on the one hand saying that you're waiting for the state to give you the approval, but then you find what appears to be a loophole to say, eh, well, we're we're just going to do it now anyway. Mm-hmm. And the employees have been told that it's it's done. They're not even um, there, there's 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 no there there's no maybe you'll come back to work later. They're, the employees are being told that this is it.
0: So gauge a little bit for uh, those listening, just from the conversations you had uh, with folks who were employed or are employed by Finger Lakes Health, um, was there any sort of, you alluded to it a little bit, but was there any kind of expectation that something like this could be coming down the the pike, so to speak? Like the, the thing that I keep thinking about is if you rolled the clock back a year would any of those individuals who worked in that clinic thought that a year from then, now, we would be in this situation? Because it seems like some of the indicators that Finger Lakes Health was using uh, to suggest that the services weren't warranted anymore would have been seen over a very, very, very long period of time, right?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think the employees did have that feeling. But as, as, as I noted in my article and as they've said, um, when they saw the the, the lack of patience, the supposed lack of patience, they were concerned at uh, at how what the, the admission process was, and they felt that um, that one of the doctors there was not uh, doing what she should have been doing, and, and bringing and and admitting patients who needed to be admitted. Um, They all and they all kind of had a feeling that something was going to happen, and there were talks with management Um, as far as it happening. All this, you know, happening as as quickly as it has happened. I don't think any of them really. uh, I don't think any of them necessarily saw that saw it coming that quickly.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you mentioned a few minutes ago the the sort of cross party support on this one on sort of the unification of very polarized uh, political spectrum, um, everybody seems to agree that it might not be in the best interest of the whole region to have this facility wind up closed and no longer operating, um, the behavioral health unit that is. The flip side of it is, is it just simply may not happen. Now, what do you expect the, the reaction will be then moving forward if the outcome is simply, it ain't here anymore, that's just kind of the way it is is that is that really hard to read at this point or is that something that you know we're seeing a lot of statements from from the, the political folks senators uh, mm-hmm. congressman tom reed came out uh, with sort of a joint statement um, all of that is well and good but are we hearing anything in terms of what could possibly be an alternative or maybe a plan of some kind
1: um I haven't really heard anything. Um I do you know it is a reality a health or healthcare reality in our country today that you know small hospitals, small um small healthcare systems are being bought up by larger ones. Small hospitals are closing, you know, even if you go back the last 30 years there were you know there were hospitals in Waterloo and there were a hospital there was a hospital yeah. in Seneca Falls. I mean it, these these small places have been closing down and and um, you know, being sort of absorbed by the larger ones. So if it does end up happening, it's just something that everyone's going to have to get used to. And by everyone, that goes that, that's, you know, emergency room um, personnel. You mm-hmm. know, when you, have, when you have mental health patients who come in who are waiting for a bed, uh, they're going to have to wait, you know, hours, sometimes days in that emergency room which is a strain on staff. Um, I know that at one of the meetings, uh, people said they had been talking to um, the Yates County Sheriff, who, um, along with other uh, law enforcement, could be feeling some kind of uh, some kind of pressure from that too, because that puts them in a position where, you know, they don't, they, they can, they're they're having calls, they're bringing people to an emergency room. Um, they may have to be called back to the emergency room multiple times. It puts uh-huh. a it puts a strain on a lot of a lot of uh, uh, different parts of the community that you don't necessarily uh, think about until it actually happens. So, um, what uh, it, I, I don't I don't know what could happen. Could someone else come in? Could a, could a, one of the larger uh, local healthcare systems come in and take over the unit? I don't know. I don't know if that would be. Um, a possibility or not uh, but it's a it's a really it's a it's a really concerning um, kind of a dark time for for a lot of people uh, in the region um, but especially you know in Geneva at least at the very least and I'm sure Finger Lakes Health would argue this you have Clifton Springs so Clifton Springs is closer is physically closer than Penn Yan but it's it's easier to, to of course you know, send your patients within your own system. I'm sure, um, but it's going to be a it's going to be a big uh, it's going to be a big strain if it actually does close. It's going to cause uh, a lot of uh, a lot of hurt and a lot of trouble for people down in Yates County and the, in the surrounding counties. And one other thing not to forget is that a lot of the uh, nurses talked about the role of the family in the treatment for someone who is at, in inpatient um, behavioral health. Uh, situation where the family is part of the treatment, so you there, you want to have the family able to come and you know meet with the patient and, and help work their way through. If someone from Pen Yan has to be sent to Rochester, now you have family who have to travel over an hour to uh, to be part of that to be part of that treatment. It's um there's there's so many different. Different aspects to why it to, to why it's a bad idea and why it's really going to hurt. It's going to hurt people.
0: Well, it's interesting to that end, sort of piggybacking off of off of that point. Um, when we reached out to Finger Lakes Health for comment um, prior to the the discontinuance of services, um, the argument was made uh, through their spokesperson that uh, the facilities in Clifton Springs uh, at Newark Wayne Community Hospital. Uh, combined with the fact that not not enough of their patients it seemed were coming from Yates County specifically uh, went into that went into that that logic, that pool of logic that they were using to actually discontinue services there which I, I found interesting because when you're talking about you know Newark Wayne Community Hospital and Clifton Springs and Panyan, those are three communities that are very very spread out and it mm-hmm. isn't quite like being, you know, if you if you live on the I-90 corridor, getting from Geneva to Rochester General or Strong Memorial Hospital or even University in Syracuse or Auburn is a little bit easier because of that straight shot. Mm-hmm. And it, it's an interesting point, it seems, that we're, we're in this rural area. And then also talking with uh, folks from Seneca County Community Health here, uh, the county services. Seneca County saw a number of, of individuals being treated at the facility in, in Yates County And on an annual basis So it, it is really it. I guess it, it goes back to where I was going with it's it just it's puzzling Because it doesn't really seem to, to add up In total with, with taking all of the other uh, Regional aspects of this into account And if you talk to anyone in sort of The community health uh, field Where the, they're trying to bridge those rural gaps Mm-hmm it seems the prevailing logic is to work together as a community as a broad community and not silo it off and try to be well this is our facility and this is what we are trying to do yeah or so it seems yeah um so obviously sort of moving ahead from that changes in in geneva uh one of the big changes that you were reporting on at the end of last year was obviously budget related um the neighborhood initiatives. Uh, anti-poverty poverty uh, efforts seem to be taking a, a small financial hit heading into this calendar year or the calendar year that we're in now. Mm-hmm. Um, where does that stand right now uh, compared to just where we stood a few months ago when it was a budget discussion? Now we're dealing with sort of the, the real world ramifications of that decision, right?
1: Right. Well, uh, as far as I've seen, um some of the responsibilities that used to lie with the uh, ONI director are kind of being uh, parceled out to um, uh, part-time um, people who are who are um, being being brought in. I just saw they, they just started advertising last week for uh, one of the positions in the ONI as a I think a 17 and a half hour uh, a week position. Um, so they're they're finding ways with their limited budget to try to try to um, fill in the gaps uh, that are being uh, that were that were created by the uh, by the the cutting of the budget Um, I don't know about the the uh, economic opportunity task force I haven't heard what uh, the city plans to do about that Um, moving forward uh, it's still it's still a goal. It's still part of the comprehensive plan, um, but I'll be interested to hear what uh, what council wants to do about that. I also be interested to see that as as uh, maybe one of the issues that's that's uh, part of the uh, city council campaign season that's coming up, as well. Um, I did find it interesting that the when they talked about. Um, during the budget season, they talked about doing the rezoning, and they decided to hold off on on uh, the rezoning efforts, um, and weren't able to fund the rezoning efforts. But last uh, last council meeting, they approved, um, I think eighty or ninety thousand dollars towards doing the rezoning, which needs to be done, and it's important. Uh, but it's, you know, it's always it's always going to be perplexing to people who are. Who are a resident who are watching things going on, saying, "Oh, you didn't have enough money for this at the time, and that was going to be your budget for the year, and now suddenly you find, you know, eighty to ninety thousand to mm-hmm. to take care of something else." Um, so.
0: Does that I, does that sort of lend itself to the appearance of it being more political than than it it should be if you you eliminate something here that's worth $10,000 and then you add $10,000 later to another pile way over there that allegedly wasn't there to begin with is that where you sort of create that atmosphere where where people can be like, "Oh, well, what the heck? What would this was
1: okay, but this isn't okay?" Yeah, that's that is uh that's exactly what it does and and it's it's unfortunate because the zoning issue in Geneva is important. It's something that's mm-hmm. been that's been hanging over everyone's head for years, and it's something that does need to be updated and it does need to be addressed. Uh, but to but to do it, you know, just a few months after after the budget is finalized, um, especially when it's a significant amount like that, yeah, it it it, it just adds to the to the. Uh, skepticism that people have about city government working openly and working uh, transparently and always doing the right thing for the people.
0: So for those who might not live in the city or or maybe are just watching from the outside uh, with a curious eye, what are some of the the zoning issues or what are some of the, the, I'm assuming it probably lends itself a lot to just some outdated standards or operating practices that maybe were relevant a bunch of years ago but since it's 2019 things change um is that a lot of what it is or is it some stuff that just simply wasn't maybe wasn't as well thought out uh 10 15 20 years ago compared to the way it should be thought out now
1: um yeah i think it's just that uh a lot of the zoning laws were uh, when they were done there it, it was no one had really foreseen the kind of changes that were going to go on in the city so mm-hmm. you have changes in downtown um you know you have businesses spreading out. you have other neighborhoods that are that are you know changing they may have been residential at one time and now you know there might be might be changes going on so there's um, and I, I know that even in downtown there's there's uh, I don't know of specifics, but I know that if you want to put a certain type of business in uh, you can't or or those kind of things so it it has pretty I don't think it was anyone's anyone was being neglectful it's just you know tanner however long ago 15 years that the zoning was uh, was updated uh, a lot of the changes to Gen- in Geneva and a lot of the evolution of Geneva just wasn't just wasn't really seen wasn't foreseen the city
0: I mean and to that end I mean you can elaborate a little bit on that the city of Geneva looks a hell of a lot different today than it did uh, back even 10 years ago but much less if you go back 20 years, It's almost like two different two different worlds i mean it's it's incredible the amount of change that's happened
1: yeah and it's and it's exciting and i'm i'm you know i'm looking forward to uh one of the things that i'm looking the most forward to as expensive as it is is the is the traffic calming on 5 and 20. i may have talked about that (laughs) here before but what a what a what a change that's going to be and how how exciting it is and how what a relief it is to know that um I'm going to be able to walk from downtown and be able to get across five and twenty without risking my life, and and it's just going to be like crossing a street, and mm-hmm. that's going to that's going to that's going to really be a game changer, um, and the, the the changes to the lakefront, um, you know, even the six years ago since the six years ago that I moved here, downtown has has completely transformed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Linden Street, everything. It was, yeah, I don't I don't know what the what the um, what the rate of uh, businesses in the, in the empty uh, storefronts is compared to however many years ago but it's you know downtown is full it's the the rents are going up because because <laughs> those uh, those spaces are, are more uh, more uh, there's there's less of those spaces available and um, yeah it, there's there's uh, great things going on great things going on
0: mm-hmm. Now, to that end, you mentioned the, uh, the traffic change that's going to be taking place. Have they stamped a timeline on that yet fully um, for when that might be expected to be
1: completed? I don't know about the completion date, but I, I believe it's going to start in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. I think the, I think the plans have been, the, the, the different uh, possible plans have been looked at. And I, I believe that it's going to be in 2019, but I don't want to be quoted on that.
0: So now, obviously, um, the city has undergone a lot of a a very big uh, facelift, we'll say, over the last um, 20 years. Maybe some other areas haven't quite seen the same type of uh, overhaul. Um, Obviously, anti-poverty efforts is one aspect of this, but also the policing aspect of this. Um, The city has seemed to have made some little efforts here or there to try and correct this issue or try to get better at it or get out in front of it. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't seem like a lot of them have stuck, at least not in terms of what the pulse of the community seems to be, um, even as recently in the last couple of months.
1: Yeah, Um, the the community compact, the work that the community compact has done, um, I've written about them, I've been critical, but I don't think that everything they do exactly is our are, are, is ineffective or not worthwhile uh, any any kind of program that you put in place that's going to uh, uh, help with with uh, encounters between uh, residents and police if it can make any of those encounters go better it's a good effort that's that's important mm-hmm. um, I think where where the 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 community feels things aren't being um, looked at closely enough and addressed is in terms of accountability, which is something that uh, affects uh, a lot of different cities, and uh, it's it's a issue all over the country. Um, it, which reminds me, we're we're now at one year and five months since um, the Geneva police officer was discovered had posted uh, racist memes on Facebook, and since that time, there have been no public uh, announcements from the police department or from the city as far as uh, in terms of what kind of whether there's been any sort of uh, uh, whether there's been any sort of consequences for that officer or or anything it was we were told at the time he's not he's not working right now he won't be working with people on the street because he's he's injured um, uh, because of some kind of health issue and we haven't gotten any update from the city since then, and those kind of things—that's—that goes right to accountability. And whether or not the city realizes it, those kind of things hang in people's memory. People think of those things. They may not be marching in the streets, but they remember that. They say, "Oh, this is this is one more little thing." The chief's residency, making him exempt from having to move into the city. It's these little these little steps. So. Um, having the having the body cameras on the police officers is 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 great as long as the policy is strong and as long as you know it, it it all comes down to the policy and again that's another issue where we still don't know what the policy is so as far as the steps that are being taken i think that the new chief Pasalacqua is a is a step up from the previous chief he's very approachable he's very open to to hearing what's going on and I have, you know, there have been, I've talked to people who've brought complaints to him and they've, they've gotten results um, from speaking with him. He wants, I, I believe that he genuinely wants to make things better, uh, but without any sort of mechanism or any kind of open discussion about accountability, it, it all feels just like window dressing.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and to that end, I mean, communication is really important. And it, it, it seems, over and over again, as we have these different conversations with different folks from virtually every community you can imagine, it seems the stumbling block is always the common denominator, communication, or a lack of it. Um, so as, as the city moves forward with this, with this issue, um, you're saying, it sounds like you're saying they've made a little bit of progress. The things are a little better than they were before. Um, some folks are more approachable. Uh, maybe a little more communication, what are some of the, the other steps that some folks from the community are, are hoping for, are hoping to see, to, to keep that progress and the wheel turning?
1: Well, um, the, the, the idea of a police accountability board is something that the majority of people on the community compact committee agree with. Mm-hmm. I think there's a large number of people in the community who agree with that. That's an issue. That's that's something that's always been coming up um, every time there's a discussion about uh, issues with policing in Geneva. I think that it's it's the most straightforward, simple way to create accountability. Um, it's it's not something. And now that we're learning with what's going on in Rochester, it's not an impossibility. Um, if people aren't familiar with what's going on in Rochester, their city council has um, has moved forward with a plan for a police accountability board uh, made up of residents and, and community members that, unlike the overwhelming majority of similar commu- uh, accountability boards around the country, it would actually have the authority to um, meet out discipline for officers who are found to uh, to have engaged in misconduct, um, that kind of that kind of uh, uh, accountability to the people is important, and I think that's something that Geneva can learn from. And I know that there are people in Geneva right now who are watching very very closely with what's going on in Rochester and saying, "Hey, how can we how can we take what you're doing and how can we learn lessons from what you did and bring it to Geneva, and just have a better have a, a better it's not just about police community community relations it's about holding police accountable mm-hmm. uh, the, what's good about the community compact is that it it addresses a lot of issues around police community relations but but the, the 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 core of that agreement is that there's there's no there's no even an acknowledgment that police are engaging in any kind of um, Poor behavior, so we need to. I think uh, the next step is to have the people of Geneva and have City Council acknowledge that the behavior of the police is a problem in the city. There, not all of them, of course. You always have to throw that in, but there's there are issues with how the police are behaving that can't be simply solved with um, you know having trainings or. You know more more uh, foot patrols
0: so one of the it seems one of the standard uh, reactions to any issue like this one um, is for a, a city council or a town board to host some sort of public input forum and we've seen a series of them pop up in Geneva and in similar communities for that matter mm-hmm. um, from the, the the reporter in me, the journalist in me, looks at these and says they're incredibly ineffective because you get a handful of people and most of the people being negatively affected by whatever that thing is that you're discussing aren't there. They aren't there, they aren't talking about it. So to that end, does it seem like there is, a, how can the city ever get to a point where they can accurately understand the, the plight of those individuals who are dealing with this on a daily basis or weekly basis, whatever the case may be, um, and really account for it and do something about it if they aren't really getting that full, full feel for what's going on.
1: Right. Yeah, It's that's that is that's the core of the, uh, the problem with, with the community compact and all these meetings that they've been having and all these events that they've been having. They're well-meaning, everyone on the compact. I, I know a lot of the people that are on mm-hmm. the compact committee. They're well-meaning people, but as long as it's as long as you, the to me as long as you have the group of people who are working on police misconduct, if you have police representatives within that group, there's always going to be it's all, that's always going to be a a barrier to really knowing and understanding what's going on with the community and you know people in the community who are affected by this who are most affected by this, um, they have concerns about. Just there are concerns about even showing up for these kind of events and knowing that if they speak out it could end up causing them problems later so i don't know if if it's even possible i know that in rochester it's not you know the 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 community efforts to create the the accountability board was done by the community the people who were most affected it was an organic kind of uh, uh, collaboration between a lot of different people and gathering research and coming and telling, uh, telling the, the the city officials that this is what we want and this is what we're going to do, not creating a, 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 a collaboration between the police and the community. It's it's an issue that you know to me it has to be something that the community tells the city to do because. I don't think the police department wants to give up any. They don't want to admit that they're doing anything wrong, um, and they don't want to give up any of their their power or influence. And uh, it's going to have to be something that does come from the community.
0: So, to that end, uh, one of the one of the micro communities we'll call it within the city uh, that around the Geneva Foundry. Um, on the mend, or almost completely mended. Uh, the last time uh, City Manager Gerling was in here, um, she said things were moving along very well. Um, progress was being made to that end. Um, what What is the reaction of the community to this issue now that it isn't really getting the same type of attention that it was getting a year and a half ago, two years ago, um, when things were obviously much more heated and mm-hmm. there was a lot of contention and a lot of concern about how it was being handled. Is the city in a better place now on this one?
1: Um, in terms of people seeing what the, what the results are of the remediation, right. I think the city is in a better place um, because people are seeing how, how fast, how, how the state is doing their absolute best to get this done as right. quickly as possible. It's still going to take years. <laughs> um, they've still essentially just started. There's more to do than they've already done um but I think what's not really seen is is I think there's still a a scar underneath it all that we were never told and nobody was ever held accountable and we don't know why it happened its and you know as I've said many times it's not about pinpointing one person that you can you know hang in the village square and say look what you did to these people it's a matter of looking back at whatever the whatever the process was and whatever whoever, however it how it happened that people had this knowledge for decades
0: mm-hmm. and
1: felt that it was okay to, to keep kicking the can down the road and not telling people what happened. Um, as much as the city feels positive about um, what's been done and the, the you know the, helping with the community gardens and the fresh vegetables, those are all great, those all needed to be done. I don't think any of those things, except for the remediation, I don't think any of the extra stuff would have been done without pushback from the community saying, you know, we, we were hurt by this, what, did, what are you doing? Why did this happen? Um, just looking back and remembering back to when the announcement was first made and when the city first talked about it, there were no plans for the city to do anything other than let the state remediate and, and step back. So it's great that the city did those things, but they had to be pressured into it and they it's still it it may not be something that people in the in the community are still talking about all the time but it's always in the back of my mind and it's always in conversations that I have with people who are affected by it is nobody was ever held accountable it 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 boiled over and then they said this it basically it, they said we're not going to talk about it anymore and that's where it ended. So that's never been that's never been fully healed, and it's never been fully addressed. And it's another issue that I hope will be part of the city council uh, election uh, discussions mm-hmm. over the next several months. Is
0: is part of that apprehension that you're talking about um, from residents connected to the the concern of well, what else aren't they telling us? Or what you know, what is going to be the next foundry thing? Or what, what is going to be that next incident or that next issue that that is bubbling underneath the surface or just beneath the surface for literally decades before it's finally dealt with and you know will we have to again go through this this really arduous process of fighting for every last bit of of effort that we could possibly get out of city council compared to uh, what you would think would be a more well-rounded approach and more Balanced approach to dealing with these things. Yeah,
1: yeah, and there's you know, where are the me- where the mechanisms in place? Where what are there mechanisms in place now to make sure this doesn't happen again? There's still industry in Geneva. We still have large uh, uh, industry corporations that that produce you know pollution or other other uh, those kind of things. And and people are people do talk about that. People do wonder: Is there going to be another one? Are we going to find out in Ten or fifteen years that this place was, you know, the, that the smokestacks were putting something else in our community or something that was getting into our water supply. Whatever these, and without actually, as long as the city says, you know, we, if they if they want to change the the narrative when people ask for accountability, if they want to say, well, we're not, we don't want to go on a witch hunt and. Find out what people did years ago. It's not about that. It's about the processes and that were in place at that time, and what's different now, and, and why should we trust you to know that anything's going to be different now? It, it, again, it comes down to the that issue of trust, and mm-hmm. and you know, are you doing the right thing for us? Um, do we have to beg for it again? And every time one of these things, every time one more of these things happen, it just erodes the trust a little bit more. Is is there some advocacy that has to happen? F- from,
0: uh, from folks at the local level uh, to those at the state or, or federal level to address some of the concerns that folks had about, you know, one of the looming things, and I think we talked about it the last time you were here, I can't remember off the top of my head, but the fact that you have a, a business that ceases to exist and then 20 or 30 years later, you have this environmental concern that, that arises from it. And then the, the, the follow-up is, well, how can we hold that, that thing or that entity uh, responsible for what was ultimately their fault. Um, there wasn't really anyone to hold accountable associated with the foundry by the time this finally made it to the surface. So, mm-hmm. you know, is that one of the, should that maybe be one of the focuses of the next city council or any city council for that matter, uh, to just sort of let their regional and their their state uh, leaders know that there needs to be a better process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's something that uh you know, that was something that when when the when the Foundry thing first started to blow up, there were people concerned about lawsuits because who do you there's there's nobody to hold accountable except the city. And the, the city can't afford to lose a you know, 20000000 million dollar lawsuit that yeah. would that would cripple <laughs> our, our city. So I do believe that that's something that needs to be addressed, and we need to, you know, look at it at a state or federal level, and 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 say, hey, these kind of laws need to change, and we need to look into how these things can be avoided in the future. Um, but you know, going back to the the easiest thing to do is to look at what we can do right here in the city, because there was there was also a ball drop there that was that was uh, tragic, and and it was a it created a disaster, and um, so. Yeah, I agree that it's, it's, it's much bigger than just what a few people within the Department of Public Works were doing in Geneva. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, it's the easiest one to address is right here.
0: So the last time we were here, we did talk about the city manager search process coming to an end. It had sort of wrapped itself up. Um, it was clear who the next city manager was going to be, I believe. Um, now we are several months, if not maybe closing in on a year. Um, for uh, city manager sage girling's uh, initial tenure here what has it been like and and it, has it been the dramatic shift that I think some residents might have been hoping for in terms of interaction with the public and sort of um, conveying that information that a lot of folks just wanted that the city manager to be that sort of conduit between council and general public
1: um be honest i don't I don't know if I've seen any Any huge difference in it? I think Mm -hmm. that uh, I think it's been I think it's been beneficial to have um, have Adam Blowers now as the as the assistant city manager uh, to be there um, at some city council meetings, not a lot of them, but to have him as part of that team and a little. He's also one of the faces of the city. I think Sage has been doing a, a, a decent job. I think that. You know, from people that I've talked to who've who've had concerns, she's still available. She's still open to sitting down and talking. And uh, but I think there's it. It feels a little bit different because of because of Adam's presence because he's because of his understanding of especially fiscal issues when people talk about you know why aren't you spending money on this or why can't we do this and he he's he's approachable as well. He's you know he's as approachable as anybody in the, at, at City Hall. If you have questions about where money's being spent or how this is working, you can shoot him an email. He's he's very responsive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels a little bit different. It feels uh, it feels a little bit more collaborative at, at uh, City Hall. Um, I think you know time will tell if if things overall are better. But I don't know if anything's going to be that dramatically different until we until we have a different uh, council in there.
0: Okay, I'm glad I'm glad you said that because that was going to be my follow up question, which is just. It's almost like if you have a, a a city council that isn't or a town board that isn't doing much, and a manager or administrator that is trying to do too much. It, it looks like one person is running the show, but then that that scale can quickly tip the other way. Where if city council or the board is not giving proper instruction on what to do, and that person isn't isn't doing uh, some of the things that may catch. Uh, headlines in the local newspaper or what have you, um, it may give the appearance that nothing is going on. Right. Um, how much of this is just really c- comes back to uh, needing to to have the right folks in those seats, city council and the mayor's office, and and that part of it.
1: Yeah, it's um, that's it, what it's all about. The people who work for the city, you have your staff. They're going to do their work. They're going to they're going to. You know, gather their information and and bring it to the city council and tell them what to do, um, or not even tell them what to do. Tell them what their their side of it is, and then you need a council that's going to going to look at those things, going to look at those facts, and and you know, try to see them in different ways or ask staff to go back and 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 try a little something else. Um, it's you know, I, I, there is a lot of I, I think that Matt Horn had a lot more influence on the city because council didn't necessarily do as much work as they could have mm-hmm. they left a lot of things to matt I the, the the phrase that was repeated at a lot of city council meetings is we got to trust Matt on this and and it's good to trust your staff but it's also uh, it's also your job as a counselor to to, uh, to to put in the work and to ask the questions and and to have staff you know do what they they do and but also have uh, counselors do what they're supposed to do
0: mm-hmm. Now, uh, last question for you, what are a couple of the things that uh, any good good engaged uh, local resident or anybody who's just watching from the outside who's curious, what are the storylines that are worth watching over the next two, three, four, five months as we move forward for for city council in the city and sort of uh, some of the more broad uh, efforts that the city's obviously going to keep pushing towards because it's still early in the year?
1: Um, well, there's the, uh, the rezoning uh, thing that's going on, um, and the, the question of the American Legion, the former American Legion property being uh, up for sale now uh, is going to be something that uh, we all need to keep an eye on. If that's going to be a situation where it needs to be rezoned uh, so that uh, developers could come in and put in some kind of uh, housing there. Which would um, be fantastic for the city because that would that would put it back on the on the tax rolls, um, but there's also going to be the question that's always going to come up, which is what kind of tax breaks are you going to give to uh, these developers that come in, mm-hmm. and what kind of should you even give them tax breaks? Um, personally, I think it's time to to move away from so many tax breaks, but that's going to be that's going to be a big uh, issue and. Um, uh, the old DeSales School is also going to be um, uh, developed into housing. The question is, will that developer, um, Massa Construction, ask for a pilot program on that too? Um, and the other thing that you know, I, I know that you and Jackie talked about it at length the other day was: is the City Council election coming up? Um, who's going to run? Who's going to stay? Who plans to not run? Um, this is a, a, a great time for people to uh, not only pay attention to the issues and the things that are going on, but um, uh, ask those candidates what they plan to do about some of these things. Uh, the, the, the last council election, I I'm, I don't think that there's a lot of real back-and-forth debate and discussion about the issues uh, during the council election. Uh, election season so hopefully that'll be a, that'll be different but that's that's those are a couple of the things that I'm uh, I'm keeping my eye on.
0: All right well uh, appreciate the time appreciate the good work with the Geneva believer uh, quickly for the, the those of those listening where can they see you where can they find you where can they find your work uh, Genevabeliever.com
1: and you're on Facebook Genevabeliever.com and on Facebook you can search Facebook for Geneva believer or type in facebook.com slash Geneva Believer. All right. Appreciate the
0: time, Jim. Thanks. Hey, thanks again for listening. A special thanks to Jim Meany for taking the time to talk with us about his great reporting in the city of Geneva. Remember, our podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify for everyone listening on the go. And the FingerLakes1.com app is your go-to for the latest breaking news here in the region. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.